2: We are live here on the MMA Industry Podcast. I am, of course, your host, James Lynch. And today is April 12th, 2018. And I got a great guest here today, a guy I've known for a long time. Uh, you know, we've been covering this sport together for for quite some time. I've got to meet him a number of times. He's a good drinking buddy, but he's an even uh, better journalist. It is uh, Nile McGrath joining me here on the program of Severe MMA and Talking Brawls Podcast. Nile, how are you?
3: I am doing great. A little bit tired, James, after yeah. last week and didn't get to drink many beers last week with with what happened on Thursday but I'm all good and I appreciate you having me on the show my brother appreciate it
2: no no and I'm glad to have you here and obviously very relevant with uh, what happened last week with Conor McGregor and we'll get into that in a sec but I always start the show off talking about how um, my guests and I know each other and uh, I was on your podcast I want to say I don't know I want to say a couple years back and then I think we didn't actually meet I want to say UFC 205 because you weren't at McGregor Diaz
3: were you no, I didn't do McGregor Diaz. Um I did It was a two oh five in New York? I think yeah, that was the first time in Hooters across the road with That's right. With yeah, and we were trying with, to get
2: work done and we had the good Wi Fi <laughs> right there.
0: That's true. With a few yeah.
3: beers and uh, and cut some video and, and uploaded some video, I think, over a few uh a few beers and uh literally straight across the road from MSG. So that was that was all good. And obviously when you get to meet someone you've talked to online for so long, it's always a pleasure. So it makes it a little bit more special, obviously to cover event together as well. It's it's pretty cool.
2: Yeah, no, it's been uh, it's been great to get to know you over the years. And I'm glad to have you on here today. And how relevant is it with everything that happened last week at UFC 223? Uh, of course, if you guys haven't checked it out, uh, we did an MMA industry podcast uh, this past Saturday, uh, you know, basically hours before UFC 223, Jim Edwards and I sort of broke things down from a media perspective. But uh, now I really wanted to get your perspective on this. Uh, and that's sort of where we'll start things off here, because, uh, you know, you were in the trenches, you've been doing the uh, the media, uh, you know, obligations. I've seen, you know, you know, in a, mon- a number of different outlets here, just, you know, talking about the whole incident with conor mcgregor um, but let's go all the way back to uh you know earlier last week uh you know w- the, the, with khabib Nurmagomedov and artem Lobov, like you had sort of told me about this ahead of time uh you know with the the, the you know the sort of the scuffle and everything like that because you got to brooklyn a little bit early Do, let's just start there um you know when this sort of went down did you yeah. feel like th- it was gonna you know end up being that the magnitude of what it was with mcgregor showing up and everything else
3: yeah, because when I got in, I was actually in the same flight as Artem on Tuesday. And I know Artem for years here on the scene. You know, I haven't covered his fights for for many, many a year. So Artem, as nice guy as he is, I, I do get on with him. And the, he gave me a lift from, uh, from the airport to the hotel. So I got off at the hotel. We'd arranged to sort of meet up later on for an interview that evening. Um, strapped off at the hotel. I walked around the corner, obviously, to where we were both staying, James. And checked in, did all that, went up. Threw my laptop on the desk there and saw there was a, a scuffle and altercation in the hotel. And it was literally like 15, 20 minutes before, you know, I, Artem dropped me off to, at the fighter hotel. So I was just going, oh, what's going on here, man? Saw the video, was like, oh, you know, this is really going to set the tone for the weekend. And you could feel it bubbling. I knew there was something going on because we saw the chat back and forth online between John Kavanaugh, you know, Ali, all those sort of guys. There's been war over the last few months. And I think it's something that, you know, really obviously came to the forefront. But the most surprising thing for me was, and I think something that maybe we still need to have answered, was what was said in that conversation between Artem and Habib. Because, you know, I tried to get out of Habib. I know you did as well. He didn't want to talk about it at all. So it was obviously something very serious, something very personal, something very insulting. And that obviously stemmed to the reaction of what we saw on Thursday. Obviously, disgusting scenes from Conor McGregor and his team, you know, tuggery uh, in my eyes, uh, what went on. But I think that's something that, you know, as well, in relation to Artem's media obligations, he was not allowed to say anything for a day or two after. You know, I texted Artem, didn't get back to me. I know a couple of the other guys there on site who've got relationships with Artem as well texted him, didn't get back to him. Then there was numerous interviews overseas that were actually cancelled with Artem. So there was a media block put in Artem from the UFC. So that's interesting to me as well in the whole narrative of this story. But obviously it kicked off on Thursday, and I don't think we can condemn or condone uh, sorry, I don't think we <laughs> can down anything uh, of what went on in that. It was absolutely, utterly disgraceful and, uh, you know, embarrassing. And it's, it, it doesn't do anything for the image of the sport back here as well, which we've had a lot of battles um, with the image of the sport. You know, guys who are covering the sport, you know, other coaches, other teams, you know, trying to really get a positive light on the sport here. And it really just does not help. It It sets it back a long way, especially with, you know, I'm out here trying to get the sport, um, you know, recognized by the government, which... You know, it's, it's, it's not going to happen now after another incident like that. And it's sense to be involving Conor McGregor these incidents the whole time. And they seem to be getting worse and worse, which is really the worrying thing for me. And something as well, obviously, you know, I have a good relationship with Duke Roof. as his guys, two of his guys without the card. And I think it's when, you know, fighters are getting injured that aren't even fighting on the card. Their safety has been put in jeopardy by actions like this is the real worrying thing for me. So, you know... I don't think the UFC are going to do anything about it. I don't think Dana White's going to do anything about it. He seemed to do, you know, 180, as he always does, which really pisses me off. And, um, you know, it looks as though they're they're already looking at this fight in November in yeah. New York. So crazy. Just a crazy week. And, you know, it, it's something that I always say, you know, that the sport's bigger than one person. And when I'm going overseas, you know, to cover another event, I don't want to be talking about Conor McGregor. You know, I really yeah. don't. I, I was there, you know, originally, want to be talking about Tony and Habib. That's you know a fight I think everyone wants to see in the mixed martial arts world. Didn't get to see that. Obviously the injury took place. You know, Max stepped in, missed weight, um, was never going to be in point for me. It was it was just too short of uh a week for him to cut that much weight. But you know, you go back and you're talking about Conor McGregor the whole week, you know, mess up the whole card, you know, him and his team, what he did. So, you know, listen, totally disappointing and, and, and disgusting for me.
2: And we won't spend the whole podcast talking about Conor McGregor, but uh, there, there are a few things I do want to sort of dissect here. Um, I wanted to know from your perspective. So I told this uh, story on Saturday, you know, I, I had left the media day. I was actually going to the fighter hotel to go interview Calvin Cater. We were going to do that uh, video game uh, shoot or whatever, which we ended up doing turned out great. But uh, as I'm walking there, I find out that McGregor's attacked the bus because I was telling the story I told on Saturday, uh, Tyson Chardier, his manager and Calvin were actually on the bus that got attacked. But at the last minute, they ended up getting switched. Guess who Calvin? Cater, where, where he was sitting on the bus, he was sitting in Michael Chiesa's spot. Chiesa sits in that spot. He's off the card oh, yeah. Saturday. That could have easily been Calvin Cater. So kind of interesting there. But uh, when did you find out first about this attack? Like, were you at the arena or did you find out later? Where?
3: How did you find out? I literally, same as yourself, I left. The minute the guys had walked to go on the bus after the stair dance, I was walking back um, to the hotel. I think it's what, it was a five, six minute walk back to the hotel. Um, yeah. Stopped to get a coffee, went up to my room literally the same as you know the, the incident with Artem on the tuesday I turned on my computer my phone literally just started emails coming in absolutely flooded for literally over 24 hours i was confined to my room and um, literally till i think half five thirty a.m the next morning got an hour and a half sleep it was just crazy that's when i found out when i got back to my hotel when i opened up um opened up obviously my pc or my laptop and saw everything going down and um Dan, I just, as I said, he didn't really leave my room. But it, you know, it's it. Obviously, we, you know, Dana said it was, it was the Mac Life. Obviously involved in it. Um, a member from the Mac Life, should I say? Because I know, um, a couple of the guys weren't involved in it at all. They didn't know no knowledge of it. So it's just, you know, utter stupidity for me. Whoever's led him into the arena there, it's it's basically stemmed the whole incident and, and the whole melee which which ensued. And it's it's just, oh, man, I don't know. It's just very upsetting for other guys, as you see, you know. I remember speaking to Paul, we met Paul Felder on, on, on the street afterwards and his whole team, Craig Eckelberg, his teammate. And they were literally, you know, Paul could hardly even speak. He was so upset. You know, his mom was supposed to be coming into event for the first time. Then, you know, we, a lot of his brother and a big crew, which were actually over in Glasgow mm-hmm. and when Paul fought in Glasgow, you know, he brings a big, big crowd with him. So it's, when you see a guy like that and you've seen what he's gone through for the last three months and then he's no fight, that's what, you know, really hit home for me. It was sort of you know, a poignant moment during the week when you when you see that upset and that anguish for guys who've put their life on hold for three months to prepare for a fight.
2: Yeah, and you mentioned something there about the Mac Life, which I find interesting. And this is obviously a you know podcast talking about sort of behind the scenes. They've been radio silent since, since this has all happened, and I'm mm-hmm. sure there's some legal stuff involved there too. Um, you know, I, I just wanted to know, as you know, kind of being I don't want to say a rival, but I mean, severe MMA is you know one of the, the premier um, outlets as far as uh, you know Irish MMA. Is it weird at all covering events with them, knowing that they're kind of like you know backed by McGregor, and it's it, it's kind of weird that they're a media outlet in some ways. How, how's, how's sort of your response to them? Uh, you know, yeah, covering but- events and everything.
3: Yeah, like I, it's, it's a strange one because I obviously I know, I know a lot of the guys for years. Obviously, you know, Andrew used to work over with us. Then, you, you know, you went know Abby from MMA Junkie um, great guy. Um, and yeah, it's a little bit strange. But, I, you know, I think even they even recognize that they're not proper media. They're, you know, obviously Connors, their, their boss or whatever. So it's something that I think when they realize it, we realise that that they're not, you know, no one's going to really respect what they say if they've something else to say about Connor. They're, you know, it's not, it's transparent what they're doing, so it's not going to affect, um, the stories they're putting out there. So, I think when they realise it, we realise that there's not much of an issue when we're when we're covering events together. You know, I I go about my business, getting my thing done when I'm over there, and I think um they do the same as well. So.
2: How soon, much, do you, yeah.
3: how, how soon do you think they'll get
2: their credentials back?
3: Because uh, I know they were
2: banned there. Um, oh, and actually, that, that reminds me of something we'll talk about in just one second, about the the, uh, the whole uh, pitcher thing they put up in the arena, because they screwed that up. But uh, yeah, it was do, 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 do you think they're going to get their credentials back uh, fairly soon? I guess whenever Connor has a fight lined up, I'm sure they'll get accredited again.
3: You know, I'm not so sure. Um, yeah? You know, I, I don't know. I, I I know when the rumors started circulating that a number of fighters and coaches um, were very unhappy um with the rumors and obviously the mac life was the outlet that was mentioned so i'm not so sure that there will be people you know wanting to see them at events and it you know there might be an issue there could be something with that so that's another interesting thing for me to see what the ufc do about that as well and you know there's obviously been reported you know ufc member of staff involved in the malay as well so it's i just think it's it's a waiting game let's just see what happens and then I'm sure we'll find out more in the next you know, week or two, because the UFC haven't really done an awful lot or said an awful lot in relation to um, that sort of incident as well. And I think that really needs to be addressed as well, because this, as I said, you know, you got the, the feeling around there as well. You know, a lot of people don't want to fight in the same card as Conor McGregor anymore when that circus has to come along and things like that happen. So, um, really up in the air at the moment. I think the UFC could do have could have done a lot better job in informing us what was going on throughout the week instead of us having to to really grind and bustle when it's one of their fighters that's caused this huge problem. So No, I uh, agree with that. Yeah, you know, worrying and uh, they need to improve on that aspect drastically
2: now speaking of the ufc doing a better job of things uh i can't remember if it was me who alerted you about this but uh so before we go to cover ufc 223 they have um you know they, they have a poster up uh like you know a, a little uh, piece of paper up uh, of, of faces of people that if you see them in the arena if you're security at, at the Barclays center you are supposed to escort these people out and they had some people's faces on there that weren't even the right people um i can't remember if i told you about this because i did see you but uh, at the very least you were aware of it and i know you went up to the ufc staff so they had uh, was it graham from severe mma on there who yeah. wasn't even in, In
3: in Brooklyn or in Berkeley Center, I think they actually, with that one, and I actually got that confirmed by the UFC staff. It was actually they were meant to have someone else in place of Graham. Graham wasn't even supposed to be on it, you know. And when you're putting up pictures like that, at least do your due diligence, get your your, your facts right. I think it's absolutely disgraceful that those pictures were put up. You know, Owen Roddy was on it, John Cavanaugh as well. They weren't even in the country. Um, but especially, you know, Graham, for me, it was, you know, I work with the guy. I was very concerned when I saw it straight off the bat. I think it was yourself or, or Jose Young's that, that maybe showed me the picture. I thought it was a joke when you when you showed it to me. So I went up, first of all, contacted one of the guys and he told me, oh, well, it's our security team. It must be for a valid reason. And I just, I, you know, I didn't accept that. So I went up, spoke to one of the, the, the girls in the PR staff and straight away I could tell she was embarrassed because she knows Graham. And I said, listen, look into it. That's not acceptable to put things up like that, you know, without having, actually putting the wrong person up is just crazy like when it was meant to be someone else so um literally she said to me oh no it must be a mistake once mistake I'll look into it again to our security team and I actually got to confirm the next day and um, when I met this PR person in, in the fighter hotel on the Sunday that it was actually um it, w- it was their fault and it was a, a mistake so you know <laughs> I'm not sure what can be done about that but if that was my picture I certainly wouldn't be uh you know best pleased about it so um you know, just just ridiculous, like just lack of of due diligence on the UFC's part uh, in relation to that. Just incredible stuff, really was.
2: Just going to talk uh, two more things on this whole thing, and again, uh, I know you've been uh, through the ringer, uh, sort of talking about it at at uh, at uh, you know at length, um, but uh, you know. One of the things that we've heard, uh, or at least I've heard anyways, is that, you know, they were supposed to have this event in Ireland and they moved it to Liverpool. And I know part of the reason anyways was the fact that, uh, you know, the the commission is a lot more stricter now, especially with the death that happened uh, recently. And, uh, you know, there's just a lot of things are sort of tightening up on. You're not seeing a lot of MMA events in Ireland with this Conor McGregor situation. uh, How much do you think that's sort of going to impact doing events in Ireland just because, you know, it just it makes the sport as a whole look bad?
3: Yeah, no, 100%. And, you know, I just said to you off air, we had uh, Andy Ryan on our show. He's involved with it with him at the Irish Mixed Martial Arts Association here. Um, he's just literally, there's a new Cage Warriors Academy um, being brought into Ireland. He's heading that up. Um, you know, but we saw with Cage Warriors the last time, you know, um, Safe and May are doing a great job here. You know, it's it's probably the most stringent place in the world for uh, fights taking place at the moment because, you know, you have to have your brain scans, you have to have your bloods done, um, you know, amateur and pro for fights to go ahead. And I think that's going to be a major issue going in the line because some of these promotions aren't willing to spend the money to get all that um, equipment in place for these fights to take place. And I think that had a big reason um, why the UFC actually pulled the card here from in Dublin and went to Liverpool. And obviously Darren Taylor as well being a big star in Liverpool. It's, it wasn't really a hard decision for them to make. But yeah, it's it's something here that, you know, there was a rumoured cards, you know, the Brave were going to do a show here in Dublin, their first show sort of Europe. That's, you know, I think being put in the pipeline. Uh, Bama are back in May, uh, Bama have a good relationship with with uh, you know safe MMA here and stuff like that, so that's the reason why they're back here. But other promotions aren't willing to, to you know spend the money that it takes in order to get these bouts uh, in place. And um, you know the K- last Cage Warriors card we saw here, I think it was nine fights pulled overnight because of uh, issues. So listen, it, it, it's a good thing, you know. Fighter safety is is first and foremost, and obviously paramount. So I'm more than happy as long as fighters aren't getting hurt. But yes, it is sort of damaging the amount of pro fighters here who want to take place and have fights in Europe. Like we've guys like Reese McKee um, struggled for a long, long time to get a fight. Then Reese came back. He won the, the Bama world title. Uh, you've guys like Norman Park, Paul Redman. Paul, you know, hasn't been able to get a fight for Bama for the last two outings. So he's probably going to go going KSW in the summer. It's annoying on that front. But, you know, as I said, fighter safety, first and foremost, I can't really complain with that.
2: And last one here for you, uh, how many uh, media obligations have you had to do after this? Because I'm sure you're a man uh, in demand, uh, you know, just sort of getting the, the – did you expect this, you know, once everything was no,
3: done? No, I did, I literally didn't expect it, um, you know, when it happened. And I couldn't actually believe, I, I even the next day going into the weigh in the morning, you know, people ringing me, calling me. I don't know how these guys got my number, if I'm honest about it. <laughs> it wasn't me. It's amazing. It's a small country here in Ireland. But um, obviously the guys, you know, I, I, I do some work with here uh, off the ball. Um, it's a, it's a radio show, an online show here in Ireland. It's, it's it's one of the most popular sports show, if not the most popular in the country. You know, obviously my allegiance is with them, first of all. And then there was, you know, other shows here and there, TV. I literally could not meet probably 10, 12 different other things that were proposed my way. It's been crazy. It's died down a little bit here. And the only thing I really haven't got at the moment, because I, actually, I haven't really been out I'm trying to get some sleep. My clock's been all over the place, is the, the general feeling amongst the public. But, you know, I have that from my friends who are sort of casual mixed martial arts fans. You know, they, they'd watch Conor's fights. They'd watch a few other fights. And like their, you know, their immediate reaction was discussed of what happened, you know. Some of them obviously questioned the whole WWE thing, but we can, you know, we can throw that to the side. It was very much a real incident what happened. But yeah, just just really sort of crazy. It's died down a little bit here now. I think obviously... Because we're not going to hear more about what's happening in relation to um, the NYPD and, and obviously Connor's court date in June with with Keane Cowley, so I think that's when it's going to step back up a little bit, and it's going to be interesting to see if he does get charged, you know, properly or prosecuted. And um, you know, will he be allowed to fight in the US again? Um, you know, I think for Keane, if he's aspirations of ever, which I know he probably has of, of fighting in the US, that that could be more damaging for Keane than it would be for Connor because you know the money that Connor brings, I'm sure there'll be a little. Uh, There'll be a a waiver to to let him fight in the U.S. uh, for the amounts that he'd uh, be bringing to the economy. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this pans out in the next few weeks. And obviously with the UFC as well, Dana's, as I said, you know, done a total 180, which really seems to piss me off. But, you know, what can what can you say about Dana these days? Not very much, unfortunately, in a positive aspect.
2: No, I agree. Yeah, it was a little surprising to hear him, uh, you know, sort of pull a one eighty. Well, not surprising, I guess. Just you know, mm. business as usual, right? Yeah. So it's just
3: uh, it's it's just one of those things. The dust um, the dust settled, and he saw the 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 fight that could be sold in, in November, and I think that's what we're going to be looking at over the next number of months.
2: Yeah, and the fact that they didn't run away from it—I mean, the, the embedded episode showed everything—and you yeah. know, a lot of people said, you know, they they wouldn't have uh, you know shown it because of embedded. Well, what? Well, I don't think a lot of people know is uh, that footage inside the the bus was actually Will Harris. Will Harris was doing that anatomy of yeah. a fighter thing that he's been following around. A lot of the, you know, um, fighters uh, for Fight Week, like, uh, you know, Habib Nurmagomedov and other fighters. So Will actually was like, I guess the UFC asked him for the footage and they got it in there. So they really went full force on this. I mean, they could have just shown their footage, but they got Will's footage. They added it in there. And I think it's the highest rated embedded episode, if I'm not mistaken. It's at like four
3: million views right now. It's crazy. I, I think it doubles the uh the previous best for for embedded so it just shows you the interest and i know you know i was in undated on twitter it was just this the social aspect of how it was trending was just insane considering that like half the guys were supposed to be in the card didn't fight in the card so listen you know it's going to be business as usual for the ufc and i'm sure they're going to try and put together this fight and um, you know whether you like it or not at the end of the day the ufc is a is a business and that's what uh, you know dana has done over the last couple of days he sort of poured a little bit of water on the whole incident and I think we really are looking at um, this fight between Habib and Connor in November.
2: Yeah, we'll uh, see sort of how that all unfolds yeah. there. Um, but yeah. let's talk about you, man. Uh, you know, I wanted to get you on here. You have an interesting story. I think you're, uh, you know, one of the guys that, uh, you know, is very recognizable in this industry. And, uh, you know, you're doing a great job with the interviews and the coverage and everything like that. Um, but I was going to say, uh, you know, you're one of the guys, too, that, that isn't doing this full time, if I'm not mistaken. You have another job outside of, uh, you know, covering the sport. Um, so, so for those who don't know, what do you do for work?
3: I work for, for Off the Ball, actually. A, I'm, I'm a digital, I started that in November, you know, a digital online journalist for them. You know, cut video, doing some videography, sort of literally all across the board. And now, obviously, this week, you know, it's uh, it's been very tough to try and get MMA into the mainstream um, in Ireland. You know, it's Conor McGregor and nothing. And as we saw, obviously, this week, the, you know, the interest was there from back home. So I'm well used to, you know, speaking on radio stations and things like that in the past over over the last number of years. Um, doing some freelance MMA stuff so you know it's, it's been taken on board this week and that's where you know ultimately I'd love to get the supporters in onto the mainstream and not just talking about Connor talking about other guys but it's it's just tough here it really is tough it's a tough industry to be in um yeah. but you know as I always say you know if, if you keep banging on the door it'll come down at one stage and and, and hopefully we're, we're getting that way uh, in the sport here but obviously I think that I think what Connor has set it back a few pegs this week but I'll keep I'll keep knocking on the door and I think the rest of the other guys here as well who's we've been covering the sport, but yeah, it's, it's tough, but at least, you know, I'm working in, in, in journalism and, and I'm, I'm still doing what I love. So I, it's not, I'm, a, I'm, I love all sports. I love, you know, I'm a big rugby fan. I'm a big soccer fan, big golf fan, love mixed martial arts. So, you know, it's, it's not a hard thing. I think when you do what you love doing, you know, the cream will rise to the top eventually is what I say as well. So, so fingers crossed on that front, but yeah, yeah, it's been, it's been, it been a challenge covering mixed martial arts, but something I love and I'm going to keep, keep doing till, uh, so hopefully the day I die.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, no. And I hear you. Like, you have to be sort of a special type of person to cover this industry. You have to really like it because there is a lot of sacrifices. You have, to be, you have
3: to be insane, James.
2: Yeah, you do. You got to. And, and the thing is, like... You know, especially you know, we kind of talked about it there. You know, during fight week, like fight week's a lot of fun, but it's also a lot of like, you know, not a lot of sleep, a lot of work, a lot of just running around. Like, it does fly by really quickly. Like, I know for me, especially when I'm doing like, you know, like like yourself, I'm a one man show when I go to these events, so I don't have an editor, I don't have a camera guy, I got to shoot all my own stuff, I got to edit it, I got to put it up, I got to promote it, I got to do everything. So it does, it's fun. Like, it's honestly the best thing ever. Like, I love covering fight week because you get to hang out with cool people, you get to go out and drink at night, you get to, you know, uh, interview some awesome. Fighters put out some good content but it is a lot of work and like we were saying off air um you know like i i didn't even sleep on saturday i got you know straight home because uh just you know the presser ended at like four we were waiting for habib to uh to get to get to the podium but it, i think that always happens in new york I, I don't ever remember a new york trip where i've got any sleep it always seems like the pressers run late and that includes bellator i remember bellator i didn't yeah. sleep either
3: yeah it's horrible when you don't get that you get no like this you know last week was particularly bad i don't have experienced a week with a lack of sleep like that um in quite some time at at a five week and it was obviously due to the interests um back home here but i didn't get out for as many beers as i would have wanted during the week as well i have to say i do enjoy my my odd point being an irishman so i made up for that on sunday anyway i definitely had a few on sunday uh kicked till the early hours of the morning and then I was up pretty early again to to catch my flight. But it was it was good fun. Listen, I think you just have to go with the flow sometimes on fight week. You never know what's going to happen. Especially when uh, Mr. McGregor's in town um you know doing things like that and that sort of behavior. And you just as long as you can adapt to situations, I think that is where you're going to become you know, even more well. First, it's a learning experience. I think for all of us as well, when situations like that happen, it's how you react to the situation that's put in front of you. And I think, you know, I think everyone there did a very, very good job in covering. And I always say as well, you know, having worked, um, you know, where I work at the moment, and I, I still think mixed martial arts guys are some of the best, most talented guys in the world in relation to, you know, their their digital equipment, their versatility, how they can get their content across. So professionally and so quickly, I've always had a big admiration for the guys there. You know, the turnaround in content we produce as mixed martial arts guys is absolutely incredible how quickly we get a turnaround around. It's, it's amazing that like you see guys there, you know, after one interview, where we're all running back, you know, putting the SD card in the computer. Yeah. Cutting video, you know, cutting straight away up on YouTube, all that sort of stuff. So I don't think there's any other industry in the world where you would get... Uh, the quicker turnaround and post-fight interviews, post-fight media scrums, all that thing um, as you do in the mixed martial arts world. And I think it's a credit to everyone that's, that's involved in the sport at these, uh, these big events because it's, it's, it's really, really good some of the content we get over.
2: Well, what's so interesting about it too is a lot of the the you know the the places that you find your best coverage are websites you know they're digital means whereas you know the traditional sports like i can just speak here yeah. in canada like with hockey you know you'd go because i worked in sports television as well here in canada uh before i you know uh, jumped into this full time but uh it, it's you know you you go film like a post uh, post game thing and then they'd send it back to the truck and then they'd have people back in the yeah. studio editing it and then it would be ready for the sports center that night but with us it's like you can get it up immediately you want to get it to the website and then like you know a lot of these sites like we don't have the luxury but a lot of the sites um you know you you, you get uh, you shoot your content you send it there and then uh you know a lot of these sites they have people that'll you know transcribe it type it up put it into articles whereas me it's just like i gotta I got get it up and then i'll worry about mm. that later but it's mainly just getting the video up and getting that out there and and all that so it's kind of interesting from that perspective because i think it's more heavily digital uh, as opposed mm. to you know from a well, this, yeah,
3: you, you know the sport was basically born online so it i think was, that's yeah. where where we get everything from you know why the guys are so versatile in what they do. Like they literally everyone there is is, you know, the, the prominent guys are all multimedia journalists. They can work, you know, live streaming, Facebook Live, you know, we we can write, we can, you know, cut video, we can do podcast audio. It's it's right across the board. And that's why it's 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 a special sport where we can get our content across quickly on fight night within ten minutes lots of the time. And I don't think there's another sport like that on the planet that gets that turnaround that quickly. And I, I genuinely believe that because we've all grown up in this digital uh, digital world where the sport's being consumed obviously on twitter on you know mixed places like that sure dog forums you know it, it's a sport full of bloody forums if i'm honest about it but, it's true no you're, de- you're definitely right you, about that you know it's crazy and i you know i have a lot of respect for everyone that you know puts in the grind at these events and gets to you know what we're all trying to do is really i think you know get the sport really into the mainstream r- regardless because you know across all walks of life even the u.s you know as much as maybe on Fox or whatever, ESPN, whatever the new deal is going to be. Um, it still isn't as widely, I think, um, you know, accepted as we'd all like it to be.
2: Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Um, We've we got some uh, comments here in the chat here from uh, Frosty the Snowman, who's guys guy who's, uh, watches both my podcasts. So I appreciate that, Frosty. Um, he asks, uh, he has a bunch of questions. We'll get to these at the end. But one he did want to ask, what Major League Baseball team hat are you wearing now? Uh, you're wearing a new
3: <laughs> hat, right? I am. I'll show it to you now. Hang on. There we go. Yeah. Look at that Yankees hat! I don't know. Just, just I, I, listen, man. I we don't we don't do baseball here. Um, I wouldn't have a clue. I'd Just like to have literally, why I bought it.
2: No, fair enough. At least, at least you own up to. it. At least you're yeah. not like you know wearing it for you know other purposes. <laughs> so that, that's good. Um, but uh, you mentioned uh, you know being a fan of other sports. Uh, where did it begin for you uh, as far as becoming a fan of mixed martial arts? When did that start?
3: Well, literally, um, I was pl- I, This is dead honest truth. Now I was playing rugby in New Zealand in, it would have been 2002. A friend of mine, Patrick McGrann, um who actually, funny enough story, he actually used to work, uh, do physio on Connor and uh, Gunny Nelson, all those boys, because, you know, I had a good relationship with him. I was covering MMA. So I got him in a few contacts, whatever, and, and, and he was doing some physio for those guys. But literally over there in New Zealand, you know, Paddy was showing me all these fights and stuff like that. And I just really grasped onto it, loved it. And at the time, um, a couple of years later, I was in college doing journalism, all that. And no one here was really covering the sport. So no one was doing a podcast, things like that. So um I set up the podcast. It was uh, getting, you know, good numbers right from the start. Um I think he was the first guest we ever had on. Pat Healy, I believe, was the first guest we ever we ever had on the show. So it just sort of elevated from there. You know, I, I just kept doing the podcast, set up a website. We we originally had the website, talking Um then, obviously, you know, I was a one-man show. It's very hard to get guys to commit. So I um, had a talk with Graham and Petey Carroll at the time, and, and then I evolved over, and eventually, you know, the, the sensible thing, I think, was to, to join the guys at Severe. So that's how that happened. But, yeah, it just basically stemmed from um, watching a bunch of fights with, with a pal in, in Christchurch in New Zealand. And, you know, I took it home, kept watching the sport, fell in love with it, and I saw no one was covered here when I was doing journalism. So that's that's really how I got into it, yeah. So
2: what year is this when you first started watching the fights? You said 2002, uh, you know, was when you
3: Yeah, I think oh, what a... are we talk okay, are we talking before yeah, before, something... before or after the Ultimate Fighter. It would have been is that just after the Ultimate Fighter? I'm not sure. Ultimate
2: Fighter? I, I want to say it was like 2005 or 2006, I think.
3: Yeah, so maybe, maybe it was a little bit later, maybe it was 2004, wasn't it? I can't really remember the actual okay. date, but, but Paddy was the one who got me into it anyway, and um, it's just been just been a journey since then, and a pretty crazy journey, but uh, a journey I'd recommend no one to ever get into, it unless you're completely batshit insane and, and crazy, like... like- yeah. The rest of uh, our colleagues, including you, James.
2: <laughs> yes. No, no, for sure. You, you got to be a little bit crazy to be in yeah. this industry. We're yeah. not we're not uh, normal people. That That's for sure. We're sort of unconventional. I think a lot of us. Um, so you talked about Talking Brawls. You know, you, you developed this brand. You had this really good podcast. You're getting good numbers. When was that moment for you when you were doing the show that you were like, hey, like we're like getting pretty big, like like was there like a big guest or was there like a, a bunch of feedback from a particular episode? When did it sort of uh, When was that sort of aha moment for you?
3: I think you know really at the time here when mixed martial arts was out of tight in the mainstream, obviously around the time when Conor fought Diego Brandao here in Dublin, you know the, we were getting some really good guests on, you know building some good relations, some of the managers, and you know it's obviously when you've are you, you relationships with managers, it's easier to get guests on, building personal relationships with the fighters, and I think you just we saw the interest here in the sport then. I think everyone in the you know involved in mixed martial arts, but but still it wasn't entirely being accepted by the mainstream and that's something that's really pissed me off because you know we're a country here that you know we promote boxing so much and you know sort of the arguments was it's barbaric you know it's the usual stuff you know what I mean and uh, I'm sure your listeners know what I mean as well you know that sort of stigma that's related with the sport and the mainstream here weren't willing to take it on so that really puts more fire in my belly to make a point and to really try and force this on the mainstream. Because when you're talking about boxing so freely and openly, a sport that, you know, I'm not here to say boxing, but it's a sport that's mainly aimed towards head trauma. You know, mixed martial arts isn't. And obviously, that's something that really sort of got on my nerves, especially the nation where we're from as well. We're a nation that's had a proud tradition of fighting. It really sort of, it's, it spurred me on to do more with the sport and, and you know, push the sport more. And I think we've, we've been able to do that somewhat in the content we've been producing, you know, if had Dan Henderson on I think Dan Henderson Gave me the story Where he was retiring I think that was a, One of the biggest Stories we've done You know Eddie Alvarez On the show Exclusive interview. You directly after his fight with Conor was announced, things like that, you know, that really gives you a boost that these guys that you've made relationships over the years are willing to, to to go out on a limb and and talk to you these big stories at these big times in their career. So that's something as well. It's, you know, I think you need elements like that when you're, when you've, you obviously built a relationship with certain guys that they're willing to put the trust back in you to get their story out there, regardless, whether it's a, you know, a guy that's fighting and, you know, a Bama card here at a guy at the top of a UFC card in one of the best divisions in the world. So, um, you know, it, it, it it's, it's, it's really a, it, sometimes a little bit emotional even because, it, you know, you go, yeah, man, I appreciate that, that you're you're giving me this respect to put your story out there in such a big moment in your career. So pretty cool. And as I said, the door is going to be coming down in a couple of years anyway. We're going to keep, keep knocking on the door and we'll get this, uh, you know, hopefully widespread coverage over the next few years anyway in, in Ireland.
2: How rewarding is it? I mean, I get this every once in a while where, like, a fighter will approach you to want to do an interview. Um, I mean, that that to me is sort of, you know, one of better than any compliment you could get because that essentially says that, you know, they trust you enough to get their story out there. And, you know, uh, like, I'm sure that happens to you a lot because you have one of the things I wanted to really talk to you about in here is, like, you do a good job of building really good, pers- you know, relationships with, you know, certain camps. Like, I know Rufus Sport really likes you. I know, uh, you know, uh, Mark Henry, you have him on a lot, uh, you know, Joe Duffy. Like, there's a lot of really good relationships you've established and you haven't sort of broken in that uh you know journalism code of being biased i think yeah. you know if people watch your interviews you're very fair but you still manage to to you know uh, create those good relationships how yeah. have you sort of been able to do that well
3: i think it's you know the first thing and i even you know joe was up in uh you know up in new york there last week and you know I had that conver- exact conversation with joe i said you know you know we get on well you know, we, we have banter together. You know, it's the same with a lot of the other guys I get on with. But they know that I'm there to do a job. And I think once they know that, once you're, you're there to report fairly on them, I think it sort of takes away everything else in between. That they know you're not making a personal attack on them unless it is something like what, what Connor did, um, which is totally out of bounds. And I'd say that to anyone if they did something like that. It was absolutely, you know, appalling act. But I think once you have that sort of trust in a relationship that you're not going to screw them over and information they tell you, and, um, you know, maybe if it's a fight coming up, the UFC wants to announce something like that. I'm sure you've been in that position as well before. You don't break that code of conduct between you that they build up a trust and they trust in what you say and you trust in what they say. And it's very important building that relationship and that narrative, because at the end of the day, when you're a fighter talking to a media member, you have to have that. You know, they're not going to speak to you. Otherwise, if you can't build that trust in that relationship, it's not going to work. And that's how ultimately it works. If you can keep the professional side away from you know your friendship, it's it's fine, and as long as they understand that you make that clear with them, there's never going to be a problem in my eyes, and that's what I've what 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 I've tried to do over the last number of years with the guys you know that I've been around and, and formed uh, you know decent relationships with. So I think it, it goes both ways.
2: No, oh, I agree with that. And when did you make that transition to uh, to video? Because I know you were just an audio podcast and then you made that transition, uh, you know, uh, it seemed yeah, like it do, hap-
3: Yeah, we do a little bit of video. It's not, you know, I'll cut clips and stuff. And I, literally, it's down to the, you know, the software and stuff I have. It, it's very hard to get very high quality. What I sort of I'm a bit of perfectionist like that when, when I'm putting out, uh, you know, video content, I don't like it to look bad. So it's been getting that balance at the moment, you know, I'm working on a few things still to, you know, further improve. Um, and hopefully we'll have a full podcast on on video. That's sort of the goal in the next year anyway, to get something really good up. Um, it's obviously tough here to to really get any backing from anyone as well in relation to sponsors because there's, you know, a big stigma around the sport that would help greatly. If you could, if we could somehow, you know, land a big sponsor or someone to to help us out with that, you know, it's an expensive business with all the equipment and programs and stuff as well. So yeah, no, listen, I love audio. I've always been a huge passion for radio and um, it's something that I've always, you know, listened to as a kid. I think, you know, per head in, in Ireland, we listen to more radio than anyone else in the world. We've some crazy stuff like that, like, Anyone here, you go into a shop, anything the radio's on. You know, I go into the shower. I, I can't go into the shower without a radio. It's just like, it's just crazy to me. It doesn't doesn't d- doesn't work if I don't have a radio in there or something playing in the background. So that's uh, that's another reason, you know, I listened to a lot of radio as a kid growing up. You know, commentary was always something I was very interested in. Mad sports fanatic. If you, you probably see all my, my creds and stuff here, and I have more Manchester United memorabilia, all that sort of stuff. That's the kind of guy I am. So... Over the next couple of years, I do hope to make that a full-time transition into, you know, the video world as well, because I think it's something where the sport's going. It's constantly evolving in terms of digital and online content and how good it's getting. So I think that's going to be the natural progression, but it's just a, it's just taking a little bit of time at the moment. But little clips of fighter interviews and, and, and things that will draw our audience to the interviews is, is the way I'm sort of going at the moment. So as I said, maybe a year or two down the line, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll hopefully have a full-on video podcast
2: well yeah i know submission radio just made the transition uh, recently i think this is their second episode they've done uh, you know full video and then i give them props i mean i i've thought about doing a full-length thing to me it just it's seems tough. like so much time because you have to i mean to upload a three-hour show or two-hour show would take forever uh, especially something high quality like they must have to do it overnight or something i'll have to get them back on again to uh, to find out how they do it but it's it's it's, yeah, it's, it's a lot tough. of work like even me doing just my my short interviews that i do it still can add up as far as
3: time and everything so uh, it's, yeah, i don't think people understand how, how, how long it takes it's you know a whole episode we, we did a quick one here today, uh, this afternoon, I'll be out later on tonight in Severe MMA. But it was, uh, you know, that'll take another hour for me to to just cut and chop and put everything in, upload it, all that, you know, yourself. And, um, yeah, it's just about, I think, getting the balance right, having the right equipment before you go ahead and because you don't want your equipment breaking down and stuff like that if, if, if you don't have the right, um, procedure and obviously, you know, software programs. You know, I've only a little webcam here, HD. 20 I don't want to be using that or you want to get something a little bit more upskill the perfect world would be if we all had live stream but it's going to cost you 10 grand so you know we we, we can't afford that but listen hopefully over the next few years as I said um, we can kick on and, and we can do something uh, that, that sort of really looks professional you want to put across especially here in Ireland I think we need to put it across um as good as we can because of the unacceptance from um a lot of the people here in this country and listen the, the thing that you know really makes me mad sometimes as well is um you know there's such a massive interest in the sport in this country and there's so many gyms and so many um people participating in mixed martial arts that it's just a lot of the old school media guys don't really want to accept the sport here and that's what really sort of drives me insane there's there's been a lack of evolution really in Ireland in in you know terms of hosts presenters of shows it seems to be the same names that um that are floating about all the time and that's that's a major issue for me so you know, some some youthful injection into uh, the mainstream coverage of sports, I think, would be uh, would be greatly appreciated and maybe uh, get some of this interest that people have in the country on the mainstreams and, in, you know, in the newspapers, on the airwaves a little bit more often instead of just talking about Mr. McGregor. It would be a fantastic day when we could actually say we've been able to do that, but it, it hasn't come as of yet. Well, it,
2: it could take time. I mean, we had this issue up here in Canada, um, you know, to kind of give you a Coles Notes version of what we had going on here. Sportsnet had the rights to the UFC when when the UFC first had their television rights. And they had a weekly show and they actually gave really good coverage to the sport. Um, and, and it was like MMA was sort of at its all time high in Canada. They had, you know, two weekly shows that were going on. There was one on Sportsnet, one on the score. Fight Network was, you know, really doing a lot yeah, of MMA yeah. stuff, too. Because uh, I was actually at Fight Network during that time when that was all happening. And, you know, we had the big UFC 129 card. And then, uh, you know, obviously things changed and Sportsnet lost the rights because they got the NHL deal with hockey and uh, TSN got the rights. And I got to give Aaron Bronson a credit. You know, Aaron's been on the show a bunch of times. He's a good friend of mine. He's really turned things around there because people forget when the TSN first got the rights, there was just abysmal coverage when it came to the sport. It, you know, it was ba- the UFC was buried. I mean, we're talking about a network that had the television rights to UFC events and they give, you know, maybe 20 seconds on sports center at night talking about a card that was on their network that was streamed like Crazy. it doesn't but, but that's the mainstream of audience and we still have that here a little bit where there's this dinosaur thinking of you know, it's human cockfighting or, yeah. you know, like I even heard people this week say that the McGregor thing was like a setup or a, it was fixed. Like, <laughs> come on. Like, if you know the sport well enough, you know that there was a backstory like, you know, as far as the Habib thing with the Artem and everything else. So, um, you know, it's still like like now it's a lot better. Obviously, Aaron's going to like every event. And, I, you know, Aaron's been the one who sort of, you know, really pushed that. And that's why they're getting better coverage. But I mean, a couple of years ago, it definitely wasn't the case. So it could take time in Ireland as well, too. It just uh, it's got to be, uh, you know, I guess a period of where people have to get a better understanding of it. But you did bring up a good point about, you know, the job that we need to do as, as a collective is, you know, create good content, make it look professional. So people don't treat the sport as something amateur and, and let Conor McGregor do what he's got to do. But at least yeah. we can hold up our end of the bargain where we have uh, good content out there. Um, you talked about sort of, uh, you know, the media scene in Ireland. Were there any mentors of yours uh, growing up or maybe someone that you would like watch on TV, like a broadcaster that sort of, uh, you know, caught your attention that I'm not saying you maybe emulated, but someone that you kind of learned from, uh, you know, saying, hey, I want to do that.
3: Well, to be honest with you, it'd be more, you know, if anything in terms of broadcast, it'd be be more like soccer commentators and things like that. Like, you know, I would have grown up here. You know, soccer's a big, big sport here. You'd have your likes of, you know, Clive Tailsy Guys, you you probably wouldn't be too familiar with, you know, watching. Well, there is one
2: guy. Sorry to interrupt you here. Who's the guy that Al Florian does the impression of all the time? He host soccer Saturday. He's really eccentric. What's his name?
3: Uh, Jeff Stelling. Yes, that
2: guy is, There's there's a bunch yeah. of videos online of this guy, and he's hilarious. Yeah,
3: he's he, and, and and you have you you obviously have um oh what's his name? It's lost me. Absolutely lost me now. But yeah, no, Jeff is brilliant. You know, he's fantastic in soccer. So you watch guys like Jeff growing up. I remember you know Clive Tilsley in the Champions League final. Um, guys like that, but they wouldn't be MMA related. But I think it's very important no. in, in in mixed martial arts because there's there's guys that are obviously at the top of this business. Your Ariels, your your John Morgans, you know they're the guys that are at the, at the top of this sport. They have their own style. I think it's very important that you go in with a unique style um, in reporting and mixed martial arts. So I haven't really looked up to anyone in the world of mixed martial arts in their reporting, their coverage. I think it's, it's exceptionally important because the sport's so small. There's a, a small, tight-knit community amongst the MMA uh, journalists. That it's very important to go in a fresh, original uh, opinion outlook on the way you produce your content. I think that is, you know, crucial. Um especially in Ireland as well, because, you know, we get the whole Conor McGregor thing at times as well. Oh, you know, you're biased, which is certainly not the case. You know, if if anything, we we probably give him a harder time than anyone, I feel. And, um, you know, you have to have that element where you have to be a little bit different compared to anyone else in the industry. Or I don't think you're going to succeed. So I try and do it. I'm a bit off the wall. I think everyone knows that anyway, that that listens to our show. I try and tell it, you know, like it is. Uh, I'm not there to blow smoke up anyone's ass. I'm not there to kiss ass. I'm there to to call it how I see it. And obviously uh, call it how I see it with facts if I have them there and, you know, back things up by, um, you know, back back my opinion up by facts. Um, So, yeah, no, listen, I try to do it. People say I look like The Undertaker as well. So uh, <laughs> you're probably going to get to that. Ariel's uh, alluded to that in a few occasions as well. But listen, it's just, I think it's very important you have your own take in this sport. And I'm not saying I don't look up to anyone, but I just try and do it a little bit differently, do it how I want to do it. And I think that's um, something that I'd like to see a lot of other people do, because I think there's, there's maybe some guys in our industry that maybe, you know, they they go about things um, to... On, on too much of a familiar level to other journalists that are reporting the sport, and it's just yep. something I think that. Oh, we can get you know, into that.
2: I mean, one yeah. of the things that drives me nuts, and I don't know if I've talked about it too much in here, is I get really tired of journalists clearly sucking up to other journalists because they think yeah. they think they're going to get ahead, and you can tell they're not genuine. You can tell they're just doing it to try and get ahead. And you know, I'm glad you brought that up because you know one of the things I get a lot is you know the odd time on like a YouTube comment or this and that. It's like, oh, you know, you're going to be the next Ariel Hawaii. I don't want to be the next Ariel Hawaii. Yeah. I want to be my own be the, self. I've yeah, got my it, own
3: style. You know, like, that's my. Own, I, that's what I should have said. I, I you know, I want to be the next Niall McGrath you know you gotta look at it like that because this you know there is a lot of smoke blowing up each other's ass in this industry and I you know I don't particularly go along with it Uh, it's something that I'm not very good and it's probably it's probably it's probably you know it's probably you know a negative thing in in my uh, you know in in my career so far that I that I haven't taken that route because there's so many guys that do and um you know I'm not willing to do that so I think that's where I'm original as well like I'm not willing to, to kiss ass to get anywhere so I mean, there, there's a difference between, you know, reading like a Chuck Mendenhall article and saying,
2: hey, I really like this, Chuck. You know, yeah, really of course. 100%. Good, as opposed to as opposed to someone you can clearly like try and like buddy buddy with someone that doesn't even know them. That's just trying mm-hmm. to do it to like get ahead. And, and I really and I've said this a bunch of times on the show. Create good content and you will get ahead. You don't need to get ahead yeah, by, by, you know, trying exactly. to be a cheerleader for other journalists. It, it just, I, it drives me nuts when I see people go that route. You don't have to go that route.
3: And it happens at events the whole time. Right? Oh, like yeah. you week, We would have seen it, you know, um, a lot of, uh, a lot of blown smoke. But uh, if you get on with the guys, fine. But like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm not gonna, not gonna coach go an event and, and say something just because someone else said it or agree with it because someone else said it. I'll have my own opinion and I'll give you my own opinion. And that's what I, I try to do and and hopefully I'm doing that to the best of my ability.
2: Yeah, and in uh, and, and kind of what I was talking about earlier about the mentors and stuff. Like even for me, like there were there was no one covering MMA when yeah. I was getting into sports. Like I was, I I've said this before on the show. I mean, I wanted to be a hockey broadcaster. That was that was my thing. So I always watch you know, sort of some of the the big hockey uh, broadcasters in Canada, and that's sort of where I, I got sort of my my style in a way, just from different people, things that I liked, things that I didn't like. Um, but there was never anyone in MMA. Although I and I've had him on the show before, and uh, you know, I wasn't kissing his ass. But uh, Josh Gross is someone you know early yeah, on. Pretty, I used to read good. his stuff, and he sort of set the Bar, I think you know he doesn't get enough shine these days. Just with the fact Definitely. he doesn't, you know, have the access, but he is, you know, a true journalist as far as you know, getting sources, putting out good content, good writer, and he's good on radio too. I mean, the first podcast I ever listened to that was MMA wise was the Beatdown with TJ Desantis and Josh. I agree. Korkoff,
3: yeah, I, you know, I, I exactly the same. I listen. I used to love that show. Um, absolutely fantastic show. One of my favorite shows, obviously, Sure Doggy as well, and and and, and all the boys. Since it's it hasn't been as prolific as it used to be which was very very sad for me because i used to tune in it, you know religiously every every week to that show and i just liked the hard-hitting no bullshit uh, approach they took and and that's you know you mentioned josh gross there a guy who's who's synonymous with doing that you know he doesn't care about hurting people's feelings uh, if the story is right and if it's you know factual and he puts it out there and i think he's he's a credit to everyone in the industry and, and it's just a shame that the ufc have still have this you know ban on josh from many many moons and uh, ago and it's it's uh He's a guy that I think everyone should aspire to be like in, in the world that makes martial arts reporting, definitely.
2: Now on the other side of this uh, you know because I don't want people getting the wrong idea here I mean you don't want to be super negative as well either and you know be be truthful but don't be one I mean we've seen a few guys on you know social media that constantly go on about the same issues and, and they're complaining but guess what they're getting no access they're getting no fighter interviews and there's a reason for that because they, they've literally like you can be that guy who wants to be you know true hundred percent you know I'm gonna speak my mind on everything but you're not going to get the access and there, there's a way to play this game in this industry and I think that's important yeah. too where you know you don't have to kiss ass but you 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 have to know who to piss off, who not to piss off, like no one to speak your mind. Like, you know, I I go back to the press conference in Toronto that we had a couple of years ago with uh, Connor and Aldo. And remember, there was that reporter from Bloody Elbow who actually wasn't under Bloody Elbow, um, who talked to to Aldo about fighter pay. And it was literally like the first question of the presser. And it's like, that's not a good time to bring that up. This is not what we're here for. Like, it's fine that you want to ask those questions. But it was like literally the first or second question. And it's like, you're just you're putting fire on something you don't need to be putting fire on.
3: Yeah, so. you're better off shutting your mouth in press conferences, to, to, you know, to Dana White and not asking those questions because you're just going to be ejected, thrown out. That's the way Dana works. I think you have to understand how he works. If you have something to say about Dana, say it on your podcast, say it on your show. Don't say it to his face in a situation like that because you're, you're going to get in trouble. But you have to, you know, you, you have to have the balance. As as you yeah. said, you know, you know, f- for an example, you know, I, we've been quite open about a Bellator's TV deal and um, oh, they, they've no they, they've no tv deal in, in in ireland there's uh you know the, i think they're on spike uk or whatever it is now but you can't even you have to manually tune that in here who's going to be ours to do that they keep coming back here with shows what's the point if you don't have a tv deal people are not going to consume the product so you know it's something that needs to be done there and i think if bellator even put up a streaming app or something like that we give them the kudos if they did that there's no problem with that but i think it's as you said about finding that balance and you know once they do that we'll give them you know it, well done. We, we, we'll clap them out and go. <laughs> Good decision, lads. But until then, you know, you're pissing against the wind effectively, I think. And if, you, if you're really trying to push the sport over in Ireland or your brand over in Ireland, should I say. But it's things like that. I think we find the balance as well, as we said earlier on. Um, you know, if you've if you got a race with a fighter, you say something to him, you know, you call him out if he's done something negative. If, you know, say, for instance, Joseph Duffy, Joseph, you know, for me in that fight, I've said it to Joe, you know, to his face, he slowed down got very hesitant in that second round against James Vick. I said, you know, I thought he could have done a lot better in that second round. You know, he's not taking a person. It's things like that. But you have to say it as a journalist. You have to call the good with the bad. And and these guys just have to accept it and take it. And, uh, yeah, there is a a balance. And I think when you get guys constantly whining, moaning, you know, saying completely negative things and not pointing out the good elements and the good aspects of the sport, that's when uh, you're not going to get any love from really anyone. Uh, including the promotions where they're not going to open up to you. They're not going to give you access to your fighters. You're not going to get credentials. It's, it's, it's a sticky one, but you know, use your cop on and I think you'll, you'll go a long way.
2: Yeah, no, that's, that's a very good way of putting it. Um, What was the first uh, event that you ever covered? Do you remember that? Uh, if we had to go all the way back, uh, it could be outside the UFC too. And then we could talk to you. The... I think it
3: actually, I think it was a UFC events. I think it was, Oh, is it, it might've been a bottle zone uh, event here, but it, I think UFC Nottingham possibly was the first okay. event. Steve, Amy and, and Stefan Struve and. Um Steve lost. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I was at that fight. Yeah, I covered that fight. Um when he slipped and 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 Stefan hit him with a with 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 a shot. Uh, I'd like to see that fight now. I don't think it'll turn out the same way as it did back then. But yeah, it's just been, you know, since then I've you know I've covered regional shows, you know, Cage Warriors, um, you know, Bama, KSW, you know, multiple UFC events in Europe and um in the US I've been done a I think seven Vegas cards and I think I've done the card in Cleveland. I've done two in New York now Um San Diego. So yeah, it's, it's been been a, been a roller coaster, but something, you know, I think you have to be, as we've said about 10 times the show, a little bit crazy to do. And if you're willing to do it, I think it's something I get very excited. About. The last week was I hadn't done an event in, in quite some time in the last UFC event I'd done was Glasgow in July. I'd done KSW, Bellator in between. Um, but I just had a real, you know, you went in with the fire in the belly, you know, I, I'm looking forward to this. And then by Thursday I was, I was disheveled, man, I wanted to go home. But, you know, that's what this sport does to you. And I think that's why I love it. You know, you never know what's around the corner. You never know what's going to happen. And that's what really, you know, you have to have that buzz, Um, I think, in, in your stomach and in your heart to to really want to cover this. And it's, it's you know, I'm still probably sleep deprived because I'm waffling on a bit here. But, you know, I love it. And I, I don't think anything's going to change in, in, in the next number of years. Anyway, for me, I'll still be, uh, still be in this sport regardless. Yeah,
2: I'm I'm the exact same way. And you know, it's interesting, like, you know, you have a day job to go back to. So you're having it, you know, even though you took this, uh, you know, it's basically like you took vacation time to go cover an event. I used to have to do that yeah. all the time yeah. when I when I was working my day job. But it's funny now, like I thought, okay, now I'm doing this full time, it won't be a big deal. But now I have, I have the opposite problem now where it's like, you know, I covered an event last week for one outlet, and I got a you know I got a little bit of content for some other outlets outside of UFC media obligations. By the way, because uh, that, that's a gray area too. You can't double up on content, yeah, of course, on, uh, for, for sites. I should mention that. But uh, you know, I do a lot of regional interviews, so I couldn't do any last week. So I have now. I'm sort of catching up this week on that. So like yesterday, I think I did like I don't know like eleven interviews or something. It was it was just like what? too much, but it was like I got to get it done just to play catch up. So uh, you know, it sort of never ends for me. But I mean, I love it. Like it's you know, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that like you know. Just when you think you're gonna, it's, things are gonna get yeah, a little bit a easier, off. It's, it's it's not, you know. So I, I'm not gonna have a day off at all this week. There's a never
3: a day off in this sport. There really isn't. I think you know when you go, you know, we 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 have a day job, whatever. You don't really. You have to be twenty four seven at this game because it's such a broad sport and there's so many different promotions. There's so many different fighters. Alone, mixed martial arts is a career. It's a job. It's everything. But it's about. Getting all these guys on board and, and, you know, getting everyone else to accept it. And I think once they do, they'll reap the benefits and the rewards of, of covering such a fascinating sport and having accepted by the mainstream. Because, it's a, you, you know, you even go to an event, you go to a gym, you see, you could have a banker in there. You could have a, someone who's working in the stock market. You could have someone who, you know, is unemployed. You could have, uh, you know, it's just such a diverse collection of people that partic- participate in mixed martial arts. which makes it so special for me. And sometimes just people can't see that. And that's what drives me insane, James. And it's uh, it's something that I think really needs to change. And, you know, hopefully we're on the right way to doing that. But with the actions again, you know, we go back to last week, it's not going to help here. And uh, that's the upsetting thing for me, because it's putting back the work that we do as a community in this country from one man's actions. It's, it's reflecting badly on all of us. And I don't want to be going to events on by Conor McGregor when he's not fighting. Like you know what I mean? It's just No,
2: I I agree with you there. Um when, when is the next event? Have you figured that out yet? Are you gonna be going to International Fight Week?
3: I'm I, I don't think so. I think we'll see how it pans out. I think, you know, probably for me, this talk of me going over to uh, Chicago for two two five. Oh, nice. Um really, really good card there. It's it's shaping up nicely obviously the announcement today of um the women's featherweight fight between Holly Home and uh, Megan, Megan Anderson. Anderson and then we've yeah. uh, we, we've we've and Ordier and then we've um Main event: Yel Romero and Robert Whitaker, which is a, obviously a really, really good rematch. And then there's going to be, I think, as far as I'm aware, I think CM Punk's on that card, if I'm not mistaken, as well as a two-two-four. Yeah, but card. it's
2: weird. They like haven't announced like it officially. Like someone, I, I sounds like he's going to fight Mike Jackson, but I don't know if it's like 100% official. It seems like it is, but.
3: When and is I that? think you know nothing official here, but I think the you know the roof sports guys are possibly getting going to try and look at that card as uh, some fights from maybe Paul and, and Pettis as well. So that'll be interesting. You know, big, big fights in the lightweight division there. Um, and I think as well, obviously, with, with Habib winning the title and, and maybe the performance Al put in as well in the third and fourth rounds, I think a lot of guys, you know, speaking of Joe Duffy after the fight as well, um, I think a lot more guys have a maybe a lot more confidence, um, you know, in the division now maybe that they saw some little flaws in Habib. And I know it was obviously very hard for Habib with the you know, opponent changes and things like that. But if you look at the, his last two fights, especially against Barbosa, you know, Barbosa's a striker, let's be honest about it. You know, I think the tail should have been thrown in, possibly by Mark in the in the second round of the corner there. And then you look at another guy who Al is, obviously he's a good wrestler, but, you know, his main weapon in that fight was to try and get the knockout, and we could see it all night. He was trying to, you know, flash the job with the left and overhand right, which it looked like. Um, probably was a little bit hesitant, so you can understand, because he didn't want to get taken to the floor. But I think a lot of more guys who've got stand-up elements in their game and their good takedown defense are really relishing... This division over the next couple of months, and I think we're going to see it open up a lot more. Probably going to see that Connor fight in um, in November. Uh, I don't think he's going to get GSP, and I think it sort of goes back on what Habib said as well. You know, Connor was delaying division, looking for these super fights, and then he's looking for a fight against GSP. That's not going to happen at uh, 155 pounds either. So you know what's he talking about in relation to that? So you know, fascinating times ahead. And I tell you what, there's, there's there is some confidence, which is a good thing, I think, because you you've, you've guys that are further down the rankings. I think there's not very much between sort of outside, you know, the the rankings, as we call them, the, the silly rankings, whoever votes on them, from 20 down to about five or six now at the moment. It's very, very close. There's very small levels between the actual ability, um, not the ability, I said between, you know, the standard of fighter that is fighting from, from 20 down to five. It's, it's very, very close. And I think we're going to see a lot of mixing up and a lot of um, guys become contenders over the next six or seven months. Uh, we'll
2: quickly get to some questions for the chat here. We've got about four yep. minutes left. Uh, Frosty the Snowman has uh, been, been hard at it. Uh, he says, Khabib is, Khabib's team tried to surround Max on the treadmill. Uh, they, what they did to Artem and Habib and his team are very not nice people. Yeah, we kind of talked about that. Uh, he says, uh, Rage and Al only got 250 k The UFC is exploiting fighters the same night. Uh, a main event boxer that I didn't even know name received $1 million. Different sports, though, I think there. I'm sure. going to try to find an actual question here. Oh, here we go. He says, what do you think about the new rumors about the UFC deal? Uh, that's kind of interesting. I, I did see that report yesterday about them splitting. I believe that's the TV rights with. And it doesn't affect you guys because in the UK you guys have your own uh, TV deal. But UK, us- and
3: Ar- UK and Ireland, James, don't forget that.
2: Oh yeah, that's right. Sorry, yeah, so now, I, I, Ireland, <laughs> has Ireland has own yeah, deal. Ireland,
3: yeah. No, we yeah. In the UK and Ireland, we have uh, it's BT Sport here. We get everything you know on a on a on a yearly subscription or a monthly subscription. Um, so we get a lot cheaper than you guys. So we can't complain about that. But I did, yeah, I found it interesting. It was only a report now. But it obviously hasn't been confirmed. Uh, I think it's um, NBC and ESPN um, splitting the rights. I think there's going to be six pay-per-views. Was the initial report, which I think is a brilliant thing. I think that's yeah. fantastic because I agree. You know, we, we had the three weeks there to build up to to last week, and that you know the excitement coming into last week was that fever fever pitch. And I think if the UFC can put more promotion behind these pay-per-views, do less of them, we're going to get way more excited for fights. It's a horrible thing. We we moan about having a week off here at times, but we need it. Man, we need it. There's just so much mixed martial arts happening all over the world. And I think if they can promote these cards a little bit, you know, more strategically, they're going to get a big, big, big pop. You know, just do these embedded shows and, and a lot more starve the audience yeah, of the product they love consuming and then have put them on a big massive card, promote it to the hills, and they're going to get the pay-per-view buys. So I think that's a wise decision, if anything, if that is. Um, going to come through fruition, so uh, I'm delighted about that for one. Anyway, with the last uh, pay per views, definitely if that is
2: well, and it hard. sounded too like they were going to replace uh, the Contender Series with uh, or the Ultimate Fighter with the Contender Series, which I think is good. But they should do Contender yeah. Series year round. Like I'm fine with them trimming the definitely. roster a bit, putting some of those prospects in Contender Series, kind of like they did with Strike Force Challengers, and just you know have them fight you know every once in a while, so at least you know there's these good because there's there's some guys we know that just get signed to the UFC and they're not ready, and it's just yeah, yeah they I'm might sure. have a good record or it might be a good circumstance. Like, you know, they're they're from a city that happens to be hosting a UFC card. Yep. But I'd like to see more of, you know, focus on the prospects and kind of build because there's oftentimes we see guys in the UFC. We have no idea who they are. Um, yep. You know, I, I, mean, I know who they are, but a lot of other people don't, you know. So,
3: yeah, you no, know, yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. And I think the Contender Series was uh, definitely one of the positives of last year. And you're you're even producing, um, you know, new commentators. We saw Paul do a fantastic job. We saw Laura Sanko do an excellent job as well. You know, Um Matt Fitzpatrick as well, you know they've all got roles in the UFC now because they've found different elements to their broadcast team they can bring on, and you know we see we saw Sean O'Malley, what a fighter, you know you've guys like this, but yeah, I totally agree. I think you know some of the guys, as you said, especially when they're in a new city, they sign someone because they're going to suit a local audience, and that's quite a prominent thing over here in Europe. You know when they're not ready, so why not stick with this contender series? Give these guys a decent payday as well, which I think is very important. I think they get five five Gs to 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 for a contender series and another five if they win. They're getting money, unlike the Ultimate Fighter, where they go in, take three four months out, quit their jobs, and you know there's nothing there for them. It's definitely the way forward for the sport, and I think, as you said, very important. If a guy maybe struggles in his first fight in the UFC, pop him in the contender series, see how he gets on, and use it as a building zone, a feeding, um, a feeding promotion for for the UFC. And maybe even, you know, even have more contender series fights all year round, as usual. I think that'd be a fantastic idea from the UFC. Cut the Ultimate Fighter. I'm sick of it. I don't want to hear about it again. Seriously, it's rubbish. Although it's, I will it's watch. Well this. past its know
2: I know a few fighters on this season, so I'll probably be tuning in. But yeah. I agree that the format of them in the house and all this crap is it's like it was over like in 2009 yeah, or yeah, something, time. you know, so so I agree. Uh, yeah, agree. We are out of time, man. Uh, this is a lot of fun. I really appreciate you taking the time. I know it's a little bit later over there uh, in I- in Ireland. And uh, you want to just remind people where they can uh, find you on social media. Anything uh, coming up this week for Talking Brawls and all that? Uh, the floor is yours, man.
3: Cool. Appreciate it, James. Yeah, it's been a pleasure to, to have you on, or to, to come on with you this <laughs> week. Sorry. I'm all over this. My brain isn't working still. It's, uh, my clock is just there. Uh, just all over the shop. But yeah, you can catch me on severe MMA. Obviously this podcast is on severe MMA iTunes. And um, that's talking brawls uh, on Twitter at Niall McGrath for at talking brawls at severe MMA. And yeah, that's pretty much it. We've uh, show come up later tonight. We've um, Andy Ryan, um, who is Neil series and Paul Rebbins' coach. And, um, he will be weighing in on the whole situation with Conor McGregor. I think he's actually the first coach to actually openly talk about the incident in, uh, in Ireland. So that's going to be very interesting. He's close friends with uh, with John Kavanaugh. So um, you can check that out a little bit later on this evening. And that's pretty much it. Lots coming up in the next few weeks uh, as well. I've loads of stuff to get, um, get done and interviews over the line in the next few days for, uh, for the show over the coming weeks. So yeah, massively excited on that. Listen, it's been a pleasure to be on with you. I do appreciate it, my friend.
2: Pleasure's all mine. I'm sure we'll cross pass again soon. I don't, I won't be going to the Chicago card because I'm actually going to be in Ireland. I think I told you this. I'm going to be at a wedding, uh, which is, uh, you know, kind of a bummer in the sense that uh, they moved that Liverpool card. I think I told you about that. I was, I was going to go try and cover that card in Ireland and they moved it. Uh, what what a bummer there. But uh, in the meantime, uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter, at Lynch on Sports. Hopefully we'll be back to normal with the, the time of doing this at 1 o'clock Eastern time on Thursday. we got the UFC Glendale card this weekend, and i got a bunch of interviews up on Fightful. Israel Adesanya, Arjun Buller, Courtney Casey, Luke Sanders, uh, Marvin Vittori, and i got a bunch of pro picks up there on, as well. Hope you guys enjoyed the card this weekend. want to thank you guys all for watching, and we will see you next week.